Hello and welcome into another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Dreams, and today we're talking about how to break into the esports industry with Esports Network's own Justin Amin. He's the editor-in-chief of Esports Network, started as an intern last summer, has worked his way up through the company to be in charge of most of the digital content you know and love from Esports Network. Justin, thanks for joining the show. It's about time. Yeah, glad to be here, Mitch. Good to be here. Justin's been here for a while. Again, like I said, he started as an intern and now he's really in charge of everything outside of the podcast, all the articles, all the things that go up on that esports network main site. And he's been getting great about it. So that's a little brief about how you broke into the esports industry. But Justin, to you, you know, as we talk about how to get into this industry, it's an industry that a lot of people want to be a part of. What were your starting steps like into esports and how has it developed over the last year? Well, my starting steps, I started, I feel like kind of like as the average college student. I only graduated college early this year, by the way. So I was starting my job while still in college. And I think that's a big part for in terms of you know getting internships. I started as a college student in their late junior, early senior level, looking into opportunities, trying to see what I could find. So I did a lot of job hunting, a lot of networking, thanks to collegiate events as well. So I think the very start of all of this is taking your own initiative and really taking the time to search through all the endless things that are out there. Definitely. Yeah. Hard agree on starting the job hunt before you leave school. Uh, Beyond internships, internships are a great opportunity, but just networking in general, you can have a lot of things responded to it. You're like, hey, I'm a student who wants to work at esports. People are so used to getting weird product pitches and uh, awkward business relationships, like I'd say like a LinkedIn or an email that they usually ignore those. But somebody reaches out and is just like, hey, I'm interested in learning more about esports. Usually the response is pretty positive. So starting with that networking early, starting with looking at opportunities early is really crucial in breaking in this industry because you can do it straight out of school. Like entry level is a thing, but there's not even really a requirement for college degree. We're going to get into what role college plays in the esports uh, later on in the show. But I had a very similar experience. Entered esports right after graduating school. I'd already started doing a little bit of work in esports while I was in school. Uh, started writing right afterwards. And then pretty quickly, nobody ever asked if I had a college degree. I did have one, but nobody ever really asked in esports. And yeah. Uh, once you get some articles published, the ball starts rolling. You can take those articles to another place and just keep going. That's kind of how mine developed. Justin, you've had a lot more consistent of a career than my first year was. I think I worked for eight companies my first year. Oh, my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did hear that on a previous podcast. You were just going back and forth between all sorts. Yeah, it was Break the Game started, then I went to Action Esports, then Sport Techie, Hotspawn Esports, uh, a radio station based in Europe for a second, Disrupt Gaming, uh, an R6 team where I did their podcast, National Football Post, uh, and then Hotspawn, did I already say Hotspawn? I don't know. It was a, <laughs> a whirlwind and I actually do recommend to people breaking into esports to be a freelancer because I wasn't full-time for any of those companies and it allowed me to be pretty nimble in, oh, okay, I've worked with these people for a little while. I like what they're doing here, but I'm going to go work here. I'm going to go take this other opportunity. And so I do recommend that to a lot of students that being a freelancer, especially if you still have your parents 
uh, health insurance to fall back on. It is the one biggest drawback of being a freelancer is that you don't have health insurance or you don't have the benefits that come with it. And if you have your parents' health insurance, it's actually you get that safety blanket right out of school and you also get the flexibility to start with a bunch of different schools. So it's something I recommend for sure. Yeah, for sure. A lot of options and it gives you more of your own scheduling and timing pacing. You can choose when you're ready to work. Definitely. But Justin took a different path. Like I said, there's no one clear path. He started with Esports Network and he still works at Esports Network. And honestly, that consistency is pretty nice. And you're allowed to advance through a company and learn a lot more when you're in a consistent environment. What's been your favorite part of working for Esports Network over the years? I think my favorite part, and part of it is lucky that we're a small company and I'm one of the leaders here, is that I get to choose the way we want to run. <laughs> like, if we want to cover more League of Legends content this week, maybe because, well, actually, we do want this week because Worlds, drawings, everything. But I get to be able to choose and shift the focus of where we need to be and where I think we need to improve. Sometimes that's a little more Overwatch content. Sometimes we need to just cut the slack and cut out Rainbow Six for a little bit. But there's a lot of options. And I like being able to help influence and lead the company. Definitely. It's a it's a really important thing. It can be a little overwhelming to be the editor and be in charge of a content direction. I did that slightly for National Football Post. But at the same time, I, I think about a guy like Adam Fitch, who's been an esports insider for two years. He started as a freelancer, basically a rookie freelancer in 2018. And then he basically became the face of esports insider, hosting three podcasts, controlling all their editorial content and managing a team of like 10 writers. And that's, you know, he probably wasn't entirely prepared to be an editor at the time and that he became one and he became one of the best ones. Now he's nominated for an esports award this year. And so that's kind of like the pathway I see that. And it's awesome that you're going to be in a role like that where you have so much control. And it's been pretty something that actually is attainable for a lot of people. Now you ended up in a really good situation working, working here for esports network, but I've seen a lot of small startup publications in my time in esports. And so there's a lot of, you just get a much more senior role more quickly than you ever do in traditional media. You know, there's nobody coming out of school who ever becomes an editor in most other industries that uh -huh. that exist. And that's really something that's unique to esports with how young a lot of the people are, is that you actually have chances to have those senior roles at the ages of 23, 24, 25, which you just don't have in most other media publications. Yeah, and I think part of that is because, a big part of that is that esports is inflated with startups and small-time teams, small organizations that want to get their name out there and catch their break. And whether or not they do succeed, I think it's important to get involved with these small brands just because not only does it, they're easy entry roles, you can quickly get some experience and perhaps even a career pathway, but it helps grow esports as an industry. <laughs> I think it's important to have as many brands as possible right now as we're branching out. Agreed. Yeah, I, I would suggest against not founding your own esports organization. That's just a very crowded game. But working <laughs> with a smaller esports org where you get to have a big role immediately on provides that really valuable experience going forward. And if the org is successful, then you're already in a really great role within it. Say if you were to reach out to somebody like a Team Liquid or one of these big roles that maybe that's what you're targeting, they might bring you on, they might not. There's a lot of competition for those jobs and you're not going to get 
as great of experience in my personal opinion as you might get at a startup just because of how many different things you have to be in charge of and when you're working on all those different things you learn what you like to do and what you might not like to do uh quickly Mm -hmm. definitely i totally agree with that no diss to the big companies but something about contributing more actively to a developing company means a lot more especially in growing if uh, if Team Liquid called me right now and was like, hey, why don't you come to our Alienware trading facility, which is <laughs> awesome, by the way. They just announced it today. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yes, like that's we're going. But I'm just talking in terms of like hypotheticals. Uh, you're going to have, I think, more success and more opportunity finding jobs at some of the smaller companies just because of how many people want to work at the bigger companies. But then they also do have more jobs available as well so you know there's pros and cons there but i i don't know a ton of people who come out of school or even just appear at esports and then immediately start working for something like a team liquid like usually those teams have been in place for for a little while or people come from other jobs they're already working Mm -hmm. another problem that couldn't exist in there is a a pay scale or usually no pay scale at all uh i know there i saw some arguments about this some months ago esports should we not have payments for newcomers for freelancers interns or should we yeah the the unpaid internship debate is a big one in esports and it's complicated uh i don't i'm i'm not a fan of unpaid internships i think it's i think it's bad and what, what i think the the main argument that sticks out to me is that it prioritizes the people that can afford to not make money on their work. And a lot of marginalized people, a lot of people who come from, from poor communities, say even once you just got their, like a college degree, you can't take out student loans of 50, 60, 70K and then go work an unpaid internship. Mm-hmm. You, you have to pay that back. A bank is calling you to take that back. And so that means that the people that can take that are ones that come from well-off family situations. And that's you know, I, I speak from experience. My first articles I wrote in this space, I got paid five bucks for. It was effectively an unpaid internship. And I'm lucky enough to come from a situation like that. And I recognize that not everybody is. And I hope that we can create an esports industry where we don't have to do that. Because you're right. Right now, a lot of the entry-level jobs are unpaid internships. And you're going to get a lot of people who are talking about, oh, you got to do it for the passion. You got to do it for the passion. Well, especially with most people coming out of colleges now. And it, you know, that wasn't a thing in esports 10 years ago. Very few people went to college and then went straight into esports. They were studying something else and did esports on the side. Well, with college degrees and with the costs of college at this current state, it's just not tenable for people to take unpaid internships coming out of school after they just paid all that money for a degree. And so we're losing out on good candidates and we're losing out on uh, more diversity as well. Yeah, I agree. Feel like the only real pro or it's just tough with money is a big factor in life you know you can't really live without it but at the same time you want these opportunities so i feel like any newcomers who want to take some of these unpaid opportunities you should truly try to only do so if you have the spare time for it it's tough to make it your main task main job when you can't survive without the income unless you know you're lucky or you're well off you can afford to not have a paying job there's a lot of options there. Yeah, I it, it's a, it's a definitely a tough question because also a lot of esports companies just 
don't make that much money. And honestly, if you're going into <laughs> esports, you should not have any ideas that, hey, this is going to be an incredibly lucrative career path. Mm-hmm. Hate to break it to you. It's not. It, there's just, I've worked for quite a few companies at this point, and, you know, you just don't, the, the rates just aren't that high. It, yeah. uh, mostly across the board, you know, plenty of people are making money out there. Um, but a lot of the people who are making real money who work in esports are at the developers, you know, your people at Activision Blizzard, at Riot, people at Twitch. Uh, your your esports organizations are still relying on investor capital. They're still budgeting pretty aggressively. Uh, they're spending on like these crazy houses and stuff, but that doesn't necessarily mean the salaries they give out entirely match what the air of luxury they like to provide on their content. For sure. A lot of that's brand value, social media, marketing. They're trying to put on more of a show than there really is in the back. And that's kind of esports culture, honestly. It's just part something to expect. There's a lot of performative stuff in esports. It's it's great. And it also shows esports is just in a little bit of a weird place. You know, we don't have the same media rights deals that make traditional sports go. You know, we have uh what YouTube paid 140 million for three years of the Overwatch and Call of Duty leagues, which is great. Except when you look at the NBA and they paid, um, they got paid five billion or something like that for. Oh, I, I need to I need to have these numbers, but um, yeah, those then that media rights deal in the NBA gets split down to all the esports organizations. That does not happen, or that happens to all the sports teams in the NBA. They all get this massive check, which makes about half of their yearly revenue each year. That does not happen in esports. Those esports artists do not get that revenue. They get some prize pools, and they get money off the content, and then the partnerships of the the brand partnerships, the sponsorships. That's sort of where the money comes from for esports organizations. And right now, none of them are profitable. That's just just a fact of the of the matter. They all, they all just get investor capital. And the thought is that, hey, we're going to figure it out, you know, five, 10 years down the line. But as it stands right now, uh, no esports organization that's major is profitable. Interestingly, you can kind of see some of that on stocks as well. Some of the most esports companies are privately owned, but some of the publicly owned, um, they're not showing good numbers. <laughs> They've been going down for a while. And whether or not, I don't think that's a true sign of their success. I think it's different for esports, but it's still a small indicator that it's not all about the money there. You're not going to get yeah, a lot don't, of money there. I, I covered this on the esports minute this week. David Beckham, take your company off of the IPO. Do <laughs> not do the IPO. It's going to go poorly. I can tell you that right now because okay. you're right. There's only two publicly traded esports organizations that I know of. And that's Astralis Group, who just today announced that um, all their teams, Origin and the other one, are all going to be playing under the Astralis banner. Uh, And their stock opened at eight Danish kroner and dropped to five. I don't know if that's how you say kroner, but um, yeah, the Danish currency. And they opened at about eight and they've dropped to five over the time. Um, And then let's check out it. Enthusiast Gaming. Enthusiast Gaming I had on this podcast a few months back. They are the parent companies of the Vancouver Titans and uh, the Seattle Surge, I think. Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, and they also own a bunch of different websites in the gaming, like Nerdist and some of those other websites. So their stock... Ah, it opened at 1.6 in 2019 and sits at 1.3. 
so it got up and down but it has never really crossed where they had that ipo so it's just like you know that's that's not horrible but it's also not great and i feel like esports organizations are just in a really weird spot when it comes to being publicly traded is right now you don't make money well the public is not as patient as long-term investors dc firms are willing to make a 10-year bet uh, the general public is not willing to do that and so that's you know a big uh, potential drawback of having that IPO. But yeah, it is nice to see some of their profits. And it's like, oh, wow, that's really bad. Um, the The Forbes valuations came under fire about last week as the Forbes writer got in an argument with Jacob Wolf. And like, don't argue about Jacob Wolf about esports business stuff. That dude knows everything about every, like, just, just don't argue with him. But she was basically defending Forbes esports evaluations, which put cloud nine at a value of 400 million which is about 15 times their revenue um and that's just not how valuations work in any other sector in the world and so uh, you know the the numbers in esports are a little bit questionable in terms of what are esports organizations worth are they worth it now are they worth it in 10 years you know when are they profitable? What are those paths? There's a lot of questions out there in esports right now, and it's also something that I think people need to be aware of as they enter esports. It's not all just wow, this is massive, this is blowing up, it's bigger than Super Bowl. It's not. Uh, you just gotta, you just gotta know the realistic nature of esports as it stands right now. Yeah, it's a lot going into it, and money's front-facing values are not what they seem to be. No, they're, they're just not quite. I think one, we, we learned what one valuation was. See, Forbes had Echo Fox valued at $150 million after the whole Echo Fox uh, blow up. That, that organization blew up. They sold off their parts for $30 million. And you could say, hey, maybe their brand was impacted by all the controversy. But ultimately, a, a, the assets of a company do not depreciate by $120 million over a year uh, in that case. And so that was kind of a highlighting moment of like, what are these actually worth when they come up to sale versus what can we speculate they're worth? And it's an important yeah. thing. With that being said, there's a ton of new money entering esports all the time. There are new people creating new companies. There's investors are still totally happy to invest in esports stuff. And esports organizations are pivoting into a much bigger role in content. You know, we've seen that with, uh, NV Gaming hiring Adam Reimer to be CEO and moving Hastro over to to uh, head of gaming because uh, Reimer is a media veteran and we had him on this podcast as well and it just highlights that you know people are trending towards Face Clan towards 100 Thieves trying to make sure that they have a ton of content and then okay yeah we're still going to have competitive teams but our content is sort of the pillar of our organization. I think we're seeing a lot more organizations make that a bigger focus going forward. Mm -hmm. For sure. And some of these organizations have a lot of brand value over the years too. Like Base Clan, you've heard the name for over a decade. At first it was a meme, but it's truly a, a big real organization now. So some oh, of yeah. these Base Clan's veterans. massive. Yeah. Face Clan has the biggest media following of any company, and I think it's the most valuable of any of them personally, because they have like a total combined following of like 85 million when you combine wow. all their different people, uh, like you know, your Tifus, your your oh, face yeah. banks, and all those people stack them up. It's like it's an insane media network. 
And that's incredibly valuable, and especially in this modern age of, of where esports is. So that gets into what advice could we give to people to who want jobs at esports? And my main thing is create content because that's where esports is going. So write stuff, film videos, talk about esports, start a gaming podcast. It doesn't have to have a ton of listeners, but just start creating content. Get decent at audio editing, video editing. Multimedia journalism is where most media is going, just being good at a bunch of different things. And if you're a current college student, it is the best thing you can be doing is just figuring out how to create content, storyboard a video with your friends, uh, create a highlight montage. If you're playing a lot of Warzone, clip some things. And like, dude, that's the kind of stuff that is going to make somebody stand out when when trying to get hired by an esports organization. Mm-hmm. And I hate to just rail the saying over and over again, but college is really the best time to experiment and find out what you love, what you want to grow into, and figure out your skills, what you want to do, what you like, what you suck at. <laughs> like, that's just the best time to experiment because you have that additional security. One other thing, I, I should have mentioned it earlier, but I think it's interesting. Some internships, especially from some of the bigger companies, specifically, I'm thinking Riot, I think Blizzard as well, um, they have internships specifically for college students. So once you're graduated from college, one or two years down the line, you can't actually get the same opportunity as a college student because they're restricted to students to help them grow compared to a graduated student. So you sh- college really needs to be the time to experiment, figure out what's up, what you want to do, try out some new programs, and apply, apply, apply. Yeah, internships are huge. You know, that's just uh, that's. Great. It's a great point that, hey, a lot of these internships, people are like, okay, I'll graduate college, I'll get an internship. Well, maybe that's not always an option. Sometimes you need to be a current student, even a younger student, uh, to get a to get that internship. Let's talk about colleges and especially college programs and what role those play. You know, we just launched the College Esports Quick Take. We're going to be publishing this episode on the main feed, the Esports Network podcast feed, as well as that College Esports feed. Uh, trying to make sure that we have some long, in-depth stuff on that feed as well. But you went to the Cal- University of California, Irvine, one of the most notable esports schools in North America. Massive gaming clubs and also one of the most expanded varsity esports programs. You talk a little bit about your experience with UCI, the clubs you were involved with, and how it prepared you for this job? Yeah, definitely. Now, I'll be honest and put a quick disclaimer. I was a little one of, bit one of those shy boys, <laughs> so it was a little tougher for me to engage in some of the clubs and academics over there. Not just the academics, but events, etc. I was always a little shy, like, uh, no, I could, why go to this when I could just grind League of Legends solo queue? <laughs> <laughs> um, not the best mindset, but thankfully, it didn't completely stop me. I did go to a few things, and I'm thankful because it helped me find this opportunity here. So UCI, big name, big known for its esports program and everything, but it's not just a generic esports program. There's a lot of components to it. They've got their pillars on their website they talk about, but the main branches, the main factors of it are the eSports Arena, a physical facility. It's a pay-to-play with really high-end computers from iBuyPower, I believe. Um, They have their actual eSports teams for League of Legends, I think Overwatch as well, multiple other ones. Fun fact, UCI won the Collegiate League League of Legends Championship just like, what, two years ago? So they've got name brand value, and they've definitely found success. But 
uh, a lot of the bigger things that some of the biggest factors that involve ordinary college students is the club, the clubs that are associated. Specifically, the Association of Gamers, or TAG. That's the main gaming club at UCI. They're an official organization throughout the United States, maybe other nations as well, I'm not sure. Um, so UCI's got a big following with them, and that's your premier gaming club to go to. But that's not the only resource. I joined them, but I wasn't too active in them. I saw a little bit of the, the esports uh, click, so you know some of the leaders. It wasn't too, uh, how do I say it, newcomer friendly to new faces who joined. I was a new face who joined, but I was still kind of, I don't know, left out, awkwarded. That was on me as well for not taking the initiative myself. I was a shy boy. <laughs> but regardless, it's not all, there's a lot of different resources is what I'm trying to say. You don't have to rely on just the clubs or just the esports program. Um, thankfully, UCI held a lot of other opportunities. Everyone recognizes it as one of the premier collegiate esports locations. So often there are events held here as well. Just two years ago, and one of my favorite events I've ever attended, Inven Global, they're a big media company, Inven Global held their esports conference at UCI. And even better, for college, for attending students at UCI, I believe it was free. You need to fill out some forms and whatnot, but you didn't have any cost. And I think I paid anyways just to support because I was pretty impressed with what they were doing. But regardless, the pay for me, it was only like 20 bucks. It was a very small fee, very easy to enter. And I learned a lot, got to meet a lot of industry leaders, attended a lot of panels, networked a little bit with some great people as well. There's, there's a lot more to collegiate esports than just, again, the front-facing brand. There's a lot more in the back, a lot of resources for students. So even if you think you're not, you're going to struggle at something, Obviously, not everyone's going to be a pro player be actually part of the esports program. There's other roles and resources you can reach out to. Yeah, and it feels like UCI is a bit unique, especially with where we're currently at with esports on, on campuses. They were one of the first varsity programs in college. They've had four years or so to develop. They have a whole esports arena, this this place to be at it's like if you went to the university of alabama and tried to walk onto the football team they'd laugh you out of the door it just wouldn't it wouldn't work and that's kind of where uci is at in terms of their esports program is the people have been there they've won national championships they probably got a little bit of an ego and a little bit of a click going on and you know what that, that's rightfully earned but schools yeah, like that sure. like you said have so much other opportunity beyond okay maybe you're not quite good enough to make the league of legends team well you still can be part of the esports arena. You can still maybe be part of their support staff. You could join a gaming club. You could take advantage of things like the Inven Global Conference, where people are coming here because they know it's a campus. You're also really close to uh, the Activision Blizzard campus at UCI, right? Isn't it only like a few miles away? Yeah, yeah. The Activision Blizzard has its big headquarters in Irvine as well. Yeah, and that's another huge opportunity for for people as well. And so there's a lot of things like that. Even at my school. Uh, at the University of Oregon. When I went there, there was zero esports infrastructure. There was a League of Legends club and it was like 12 people. And I was never super into league in college. And so that was like all I knew uh, about esports there. And since then, in the last year, they opened up their own esports lounge where uh, it's basically, you know, a PC bang and you could just play 
games with other people and then the, the pro team practices or not the pro team but the the uvo team a club team practices there uh, then they also held an esports conference which i attended back in february where they brought in gen g they brought in evil geniuses they brought in somebody from liquid to all talk to to students and it was like this is these are resources that you know just weren't available to students even three years ago when i was graduating school and it's really cool to see that those opportunities are opening up and then my program that i was involved with a lot at in school is called duck tv and that was our student tv network that was part of the sports program i did some of the acting shows and now they launched duck tv esports and they're doing shout casting for all the university of oregon matches and so they get to stream them they get to figure out what it takes to do a live stream how to run a production uh you know have people on the switcher making sure that everything's right on the different cameras and then having two people shout cast the matches and that's the kind of experience that's like so hard to get because you just don't have you can't you can't just shout cast by yourself i mean you can <laughs> you could just practice i guess yeah. but to have a team there that you can now control the the broadcast for them and you get to know the players and you get a lot of reps at it is really invaluable experience and so i think you know just looking into as you look into a school what resources do they have out there and they might not even be totally publicly available so talking to people who are currently at the school looking up you know university of oregon esports whatever school you want to go to and hopefully trying to find something or checking out the college esports quick tech we uh we cover all the esports news including a program spotlight each week so you can learn about robert morris university and uci and the university of british columbia and maryville university uh on that show so if you want to learn more if you're a prospective student looking for a program that has a lot of esports infrastructure. I'm trying to cover the biggest ones each week on this uh, on this feed as well. Talk a little bit. You were mentioning before we started recording about the University of California Irvine and its esports program. What are the requirements to have a chance to make a team like that? Like we said, this is a top top level team, and you're mentioning how you heard a little bit about what sort of requirements they're looking to to start awarding scholarships. Again, they're a full varsity program. They award a lot of scholarships, including some from Pokebane, who, who provided, I think, $100,000 in scholarships. I think maybe it was 50K, uh, but she provided some scholarships. UCI provides a lot. What are the requirements like if somebody wants to have a scholarship like that? Honestly, it's not too open for most just because, like, like you said, UCI, and I'm thankful I was there, but they've got a very strong collegiate presence in esports very good their players are good um i played against a couple of them in some fan tournaments for in the tag and we got totally stomped on league of legends <laughs> their players are really good you have to really know your stuff and be skilled uci actually has their esports program i think on their website they have an application so if you're interested in being on one of their esports teams then you have to actually apply through it with a lot of details they'll go through you I did hear from another professional um, over on Twitch. Uh, I don't want to give out names. I don't know. <laughs> but I did hear that in general for collegiate esports, if you can reach similar to what Diamond Rank is in League of Legends, you got a very good chance at even being a scholarship student for the esports programs, if that's offered. Now, it obviously depends on location, depends on school, state, but it kind of gives you a bit of an eye of the skill level you need you should be at least diamond level in league of legends something comparable for overwatch smash hearthstone whatever the case 
Yeah, which isn't honestly that high. I think a lot of people that have committed can reach a level like that. You know, I've never done the league. I know the league grind is next level, but I'm about Diamond and Rocket League. And that's also what it takes to be part of that. And it feels attainable, at least in in the sense. And that's because pros, you know, college doesn't play the same role in esports as it does in traditional sports. In, in traditional sports, college is the final step before you become a professional. And what, unless you're the best of the best, you are going to college, you're playing two to three years usually, if it's, if it's football, sometimes one in basketball, but you're going to college to, to get your skills. And that's where you get discovered. In esports, most pros start at the age of whatever it becomes allowed. Like the Call of Duty League allows you to be a pro once you turn 18. Well, a bunch of 18-year-olds play at the Call of Duty League. Uh, same thing, Rocket League, I think it's 16. There was a bunch of people that it was like, oh yeah, that guy's going to be really good at the RLCS in two years. He's 14 right now, but he's going to be 16. He's going to be great. And so that's a little different in esports. College just is not the same pipeline to the pros, but that also means that the skill level, you know, for to be a traditional sport to get a scholarship, you probably have to be on a pathway of being a professional. And in college, that's not really the case. You could be pretty good at a game, but passionate about other things. And that's still good enough to get you a scholarship. Even if you know there's no chance that you're ever going to be in the LCS, it's not really a requirement to get a League of Legends scholarship. Definitely. So it's really high. The skill level is pretty high, but it's not unattainable. If you put enough time into the game, you can definitely reach that point. You can do it. You can do it. I believe in you guys. I believe in our listeners. You're good enough. You're good enough. You can get there. Uh, but yeah, there, it also provides us some of these other opportunities around esports, and so I think, I think that's a great thing to to end off on is, you know, what does a college program provide, and what types of of experience should current students be looking to get? Uh, personally, for me, I think live broadcasts are huge. I think content creation and live broadcasts, anything you can do on those two things, uh, where it's terms of making content, building a brand off of it or in terms of turning a live production and figuring out what goes in to making that, I think that's an invaluable experience and it's going to go a long way. It's never going to go away mm-hmm. at all. And that's really important as well. Justin, for you, what do you think uh, students should be doing right now as they look towards the future of esports? I also think content creation, and I think that's one of the more accessible areas to work on because it's all on yourself. <laughs> what are you going to create and when? In particular, I think... Writing is one of the easiest ones, and that's what we, you and I have got going for us that we started with. Writing is pretty simple. Everyone knows how to write. So you can use that to help contribute to platforms. But more importantly, and a skill I see requested by nearly every esports company, I've done my fair share of job hunting too, is graphic design. Graphic design through Photoshop, uh, Illustrator, even uh, motion design through other Adobe or Apple products. So again, goes into content creation, knowing how to use these tools to create something and contribute is going to be huge when looking at applications. Absolutely. Yeah. Good point. Graphic design is so, so good. And everybody needs editors like doing editing for YouTubers, I think is really a great way of getting into the esports industry where you can start talking to YouTubers and be like, Hey, you know, I can cut up your video. I can make it look cool. I can make a great thumbnail. Uh, and that's a great avenue into being a much larger part of esports. 
So we'll wrap up on that note. Justin, thanks for joining the show. It's about time we had you on the show. I'm so glad that you <laughs> were able to come on. Yeah, it's been Check a while. Out. It's been a while. It's been a while. We've had plenty of writers on, but never never the editor-in-chief. So it's <laughs> uh, it was long overdue and glad to have Justin on the show. Remember, he's the editor-in-chief of Esports Network. So go check out esportsnetwork.com to see all the different things that he's working on and all the different content that he's either touching or writing himself. It's all pretty great stuff. Thanks, Mitch. It was good to be here on the Esports Network podcast. It was good to have you. Oh, yeah. Justin, shout out your own social. Shout out uh, where else you want to go. Oh, yeah. My socials. My socials. Follow me on Twitter at Great O'Toole. Uh, that is my middle name. <laughs> G-R-E-A-T-O-T-U-L. The link will be in there anyways. And regardless, I just promote Esports Network. This is We've been doing great with our website. Whether it comes to content, SEO, the new show we've got, the Gamer Hour. So we're a company you definitely want to look out for. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, tons of esports network stuff on the horizon. We should be talking about the Gamer Hour more coming up soon. I am headed out on vacation. I'm probably on vacation this week as you hear this show. Uh, so you're going to have a blip in the esports network podcast stuff for one week at the very least but i'll be back starting in october so thank you all for listening i hope you enjoyed this podcast about how to break in to the esports industry